The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into a special edition of BGN Radio. Of course, it's about the Super Bowl, and it's all brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. Also, if you're interested in draft season, I've got my preliminary grades up for my top five running backs in the draft class up on BleedingGreenNation.com. But for right now, our focus will be on the Super Bowl, so excuse the shameless plug. And to talk Super Bowl, we have a special guest coming from the Los Angeles Rams side of things. We're going to get right into it. So let's kick it over to that right now. He is Joe McAtee, the infamous 3K, the managing editor of Turf Show Times, the SB Nation site for the Los Angeles Rams. Always a pleasure to talk with you, brother. How you doing, Joe? Fake news. No, it is me. (laughs) What's up, Mike? Not much, man. Joe, right out of the gate, let's deal with the obvious elephant in the room. You know what I'm talking about. How are Rams fans and yourself dealing with the backlash from the win over the Saints in the NFC Championship game, the obvious pass interference that was not called? Have y'all been able to move past it, or is it something that might not go away for some time, or do you even not care? Yeah, I think Rams fans moved past it pretty quickly because they're going <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I will say this, the, the, big, the bigger issue that I think I haven't moved past it just got reinforced with Roger Goodell's press conference that the NFL just isn't doing enough to prevent this from happening again. And it sucks for Saints right. fans, but there's 32 teams on this roulette wheel and the NFL is content to just roll it every single year. And who knows who it's going to be next year in the crosshairs, because I think it's pretty obvious there's a good chance it's going to be another team that's dealing with that kind of unfairness. And that's really what it is. That being said, as a Rams fan, you know, there were other missed calls in the game. The Saints had the ball with their chance to win it. I, I don't feel as aggrieved, but obviously I'm biased. But in, in the end, it's more an issue that the NFL has, what, a dozen, two dozen things they could have done to prevent this. They didn't do them. They might do them moving forward. I'm just worried in the end that all of us put so much time and effort and emotional vulnerability into a product that doesn't put as much effort to protect the officiating of on their side. You know, it's interesting to me because I think about, you know, some of the missed calls throughout the season and I look at some beat writers and a lot of them always like kind of they'll, they'll throw out clips or screenshots of like a, a frozen play where a player has a hand on a face mask or, or something to that effect. And I say, how can you live that way? 
That's got to be a miserable existence. Like, even as an Eagles fan, like, I can think of less than a handful of calls where I'm like, yeah, that really impacted the game. Overall, the officiating has been bad this season, to your point. And I don't think it's skewed towards any one team. I don't think the league is trying to screw any one team. But I do think that the referees are definitely screwing the overall product when they interject themselves into a game or lead themselves out of a game over some really, really bad calls that you feel that should be correctable. You feel like they should be able to do something about it as the game is happening. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And I will tell you, 3K, that if I were an Eagles fan and I were in your position, and let's say that happened last year before the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, it would be very easy for me to put it behind me and focus on the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is. I mean, and that, that's the thing is, how many missed calls are there in a game? If you, if you look at that fourth <laughs> quarter between the Rams and the Saints, they missed two calls against the Saints on the Rams. And, you know, if you want to play that back to the future type butterfly effect thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If, if they had called the face mask on Jared Goff, it's first and goal from the one. And, who you know, if we score the touchdown, then things are different for there. So I, I, I don't buy into the idea that the Saints would have won the game if if they had called it. I also don't care to the degree that it mattered in that game. I do care to the degree, like you said, there are so many missed calls. And what the only thing that matters here, which is arbitrary, is the proximity to the end of the game, right? Mm. If, if they had missed this call in the middle of the third quarter, Saints fans wouldn't have cared that much. They would, You wouldn't have had a senator bringing it up on the floor of the Senate in the middle of a government shutdown. The only yeah. reason why this was such a big deal was it was so close to the end of the regular time in the fourth quarter and like i said we all know it's going to happen again and it sucks and it just feels kind of helpless that the nfl isn't doing more to stop it so moving on we're past that now we're on to the super bowl what i'm saying is roger goodell's fault that we shut down the government the nfl (laughs) is at fault for global warming and i'm pretty sure the patriots and kim jong-un are in cahoots yeah i can get behind all of those conspiracy theories because it, it matches with conspiracy my theories bias. these are facts Joe, mo- moving on to the matchup that we have here in the super bowl since we're past all that let, let's talk about the matchup between sean McVay and bill belichick because i remember coming into last year and, and there's a lot of things that i can equate to maybe how you're feeling coming into this game because as an eagles fan you really thought like This is a massive test for Doug Peterson. If he is able to go blow for blow with one of the best big game coaches in the history of the NFL in Bill Belichick, that will really like cement him as a top tier coach. And a lot of people think of Sean McVay as a top tier coach to begin with. What does it do for Sean McVay as far as his legacy goes if if he can pull this off? And how are you feeling about the matchup? Like, do you think McVay really has the chops to to take it to Bill for 60 minutes? I mean, I hope so. But just like you guys last year, this it's the it's the juxtaposition between relatively new and old, right? Yeah. Where Bill Belichick was in the Super Bowl when Doug Peterson was at what was that school he coached at before he was yells quality control something Baptist. He was high, at a, yeah, he was at a high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. down in uh, down in, down in McVay, Louisiana. I don't think Sean McVay was born. He might have been like four <laughs> years old or something. So it's one of those things where Bill Belichick has been doing this for so long at the highest level. You you can't you can't put anybody up against him and feel great about it. The thing is, it's football, and you know the the Patriots have lost Super Bowls. They've lost games, and there are reasons, and, and all the reasons that the Rams could do it are, are, are reasons to believe that they can do it and, and will do it. It's just one of those things where, you know, and, and this has been the tough part in going into this game looking at it is 
trying to figure out what the Rams need to do to win and how they can beat the Patriots. And you say, oh, well, as long as the Patriots don't do this. Well, they've done that 50,000 times in the playoffs. (laughs) So, you know, I love Sean McVay. He's a great coach. I'm incredibly excited that the Rams hired him to guide them through this era, however long it lasts and however many times we get to this point. But Bill Belichick's Bill Belichick, man, and there's a reason he he might be the greatest coach of all time, and it's yeah. hard to it's hard to compare anybody to him, and and to act like competing against him is going to be I won't, I won't necessarily easy, but but something that you can buy into before it happens because it's just so hard. Yeah, I remember last year coming into it with the AFC Championship game, thinking if I want somebody, I don't want the Jaguars, I don't want to go up against the Jaguars. It'll be so much better if we beat the Patriots. So it'll be big for the Rams. It'll be big for the legacy of Sean McVay and his status in the coaching world if he can pull this off. Let's kind of go to someone that McVay is possibly living through vicariously. The, the last time we talked, Jared Goff was in a serious funk, and that funk kind of continued through that loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, since then, what do you make of his performance, and do you trust him to keep pace with Tom Brady if this thing turns into a boat race like it did last year? I mean, he hasn't been great but I will say this, at the end of the Saints game, it was rabbit out of a hat kind of stuff. He was fantastic. Yeah. And he was individually fantastic, not in a way that you can ascribe to the system or the coaching or anything. He was just making plays. He was doing the kind of thing that Tom Brady does at the end of the game. And he was doing it in the way that Tom Brady does. What was funny was, when we've talked about it on our side, when people look at like Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson or uh, Aaron Rodgers, when they, when they make those kind of plays, it looks really good. When Jared Goff does it, it looks really ugly. It looks really ugly. It's your pubescent teenage son, and he's all elbows and knees, but he's making it happen. And it was yeah. it was fantastic. It was fantastic to see. The, the thing that's interesting about it, kind of like McVay against Belichick, is this is Jared Goff's third season. Does anybody care about Tom Brady's third season? Like, he's been so good for so long. He's not defined by what happened at that point in his career but Jared Goff is simply because we don't know what's going to happen for him for the next 8, 10, 12 years, however long he's in this league and however long he's playing starting quarterback. So it, it, it's a great matchup like McVay against Belichick. It's one that's hard to to, to gauge one-on-one because the resumes are just completely different. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Since the bye week and obviously prior to our game against the Bears, during our game against you guys and through the end of the season, Jared Goff didn't look like himself. I think a lot of that is Cooper Cup. Uh, and his yeah. absence, and he got went out hurt, and a lot of it was the offensive line play through the end of the regular season. Now the line's been fantastic in the playoffs, and I think if any, if you're if you're really trying to define the Rams' playoff run, it's that the things that were spotty or inconsistent or even deficient through the regular season have been fantastic the last two games, and that's how Jared Goff kind of solidifies his game, but. Uh, he hasn't been fantastic. There was a piece at 538 that says he's been mediocre in the second half. And in order to beat the Patriots, he's going to have to be, you know, spectacular first half golf. Uh, I don't know if that's possible against the Patriots, but at the same time, it, it wasn't necessarily the case the last two games and the Rams won them both. So, uh, yeah. you know, the, the good thing is that they're good enough in so many other facets that I don't know that they need Jared Goff to be spectacular in order to win. Yeah, and that's interesting. And, and you look back at Nick Foles versus Tom Brady. Anything can happen, 3K. You, you, we could very well have a boat race and Goff could be playing off of it. He's he's capable 
of high level play and like on, on this show and on the, on this feed, if you listen to this network, people might know that I'm a little bit down on golf, but he definitely has the ability to play some high level football. I just yeah. don't see it enough. We haven't seen it enough throughout this, this run, um, especially in the second half of the season going into the playoffs. But look, you know, Sean McVay is going to be able to, to coach it up, scheme it up, get him comfortable early in the game. Me and Mark Schofield on the QB Sco show, we're talking about it, you know, give him a lot of half field reads, get him comfortable, get him into a rhythm early into the game. And we'll see what happens from there. So I definitely have faith. I, I don't, necessarily don't believe that Goff can't keep pace but talking about that offensive line because I really did want to talk about this I saw a lot of surprise for people for how well the Rams offensive line has played in the postseason which was shocking to me as somebody who actually paid attention throughout the regular season this is a doggone good unit playing doggone good football how do you expect them to fare against the Patriots it's I mean it's a tale of two halves they were Arguably the best line in the NFL through the first, what, nine, right. ten games. And then, you know, coming out of the bye, they uh, they, they dipped. And I think, and much like Jared Goff, although the two are probably inextricably tied together, it, it's, it's hard to explain why guys with as much experience as Andrew Whitworth at left tackle and Roger Saffold at left guard and John Sullivan at center, all of whom are 30 years or older, and obviously Andrew Whitworth's 37, how the guys with that much experience can have a performance dip but they did. And uh, the great thing for Rams fans is that when they got to the playoffs, they've been fantastic. They, you, you could argue they won the game against the Cowboys in the divisional round. Yeah. And again, against New Orleans, they were spectacular. It's just one of those things where the, the talent level's clearly there. They just got to get the performance. And, it, you know, they, that, that's part of what goes into the playoffs. It's not capability. It's production. And you've got to get it when you need it the most. The Rams didn't get it last year against Atlanta. Um, whether it was the offensive line or a couple other aspects, they did not play their best football when they needed to. This year in the two games that they played after the regular season, they have. And so, yeah, I, I love this offensive line. They're fantastic. I saw somewhere that they said it was the best run-blocking line ever. That's kind of silly, but it's still really good. <laughs> Looking at how they can help Goff, not only through the offensive line and keep that pressure off of them, but from the skill positions as well. You're going to need guys that are going to be able to beat these defensive backs, these linebackers, and these safeties and coverage from the New England Patriots and get separation to help give Goff some easy throws and give him some windows in which to throw. Is there a specific matchup that you like from your skill position players, your wide receivers, your running back, your tight ends uh, against the Patriots cover men? Yes, CJ Anderson against the buffet line. He's absolutely <laughs> dominant. Um, no, it's. Obviously, missing Cooper Cup hurts, but the Rams have been without him for so long that you feel pretty comfortable about what they've been able to do with Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Josh Reynolds, along with the tight ends, uh, those last two being the beneficiaries of the Cooper Cup injury. The the, the real issue here is uh, Todd Gurley's knee. It's just not right. And hmm. um, it happened in the game against you guys. Afterwards, he came out and said, you know, I've been dealing with some inflammation in the knee going back to week one. But after the Eagles game, it really flared up. And so the Rams held him out of the final two regular season contests. Um, he played well against Dallas, but right. against New Orleans, he just didn't have even, – even even the touchdown against Dallas, you could see he didn't have it. If you go back and look at it, yeah. when he gets the ball, he does this weird kind of duck where he's trying to generate the speed that he normally has when he's you know fully upright. When you see guys like run the 40, when Gurley's like that and he's got his speed – his posture is fantastic, but it's it's one of those things where he can just explode, and he couldn't. He was trying to duck into it and generate 
that kind of speed because it's just not there. He doesn't have it in his knee. And against New Orleans, uh, it was even worse. And it affected his mentality. He had an early drop that led to an interception. Yep. He couldn't plant well. There was a, He had a reception at the end of the fourth quarter where he's coming lateral. He It's a little uh, zag route. And he gets beyond the offensive line. And he's got about eight yards before he gets to the linebacker. And 99 times out of 100 when he catches that ball, He's going to outrace the linebacker and get past him and get into open space. And he didn't. And that's the worry. And that's why he only had four carries, which was the lowest of his career uh, in the NFC Championship. So, you know, if you're talking about how, how to get guys in or in terms of the strategy, what you'd normally do, it would revolve around Todd Gurley. And it's just not going to because it sucks. But that's the nature of football is that he's not at 100%. And uh, they're just going to have to figure out a game plan without – uh, Todd Gurley being Todd Gurley. It's so funny, too, because you see guys that have rallied against, you know, the Todd Gurley MVP stuff. And I, I agree. I don't think a running back should be an MVP, especially when the line's playing so well, their impact on the game. You can bring in C.J. Anderson, get decent production. But they were trying to say, oh, he would look fine in the Dallas game. Look, I've watched Todd Gurley from college to the pros. I scouted him for Scouting Academy. He's one of the first guys that I went through there. So I, I went through his, his rookie year. I went through the next year, watched a bunch of his stuff, watched his stuff this year. And when you look at him, you're right. You can tell the difference. And in the Eagles game, I remember there was a play on the right sideline after the play, him being you know, a little bit lame, coming up a little bit gimpy. So it's definitely yeah. something that has been bothering him for a while. Just because he had a good performance against the Cowboys, you can still really look at it and tell that he is not the same player. Hopefully for him, the week off does him some good because that would really add a, a new dynamic to what the Rams are able to do. Because C.J. Anderson is going to be able to pound you between the tackles, but you would talk about adding Gurley as a wide receiving threat that you can split out and be effective with. That would be really big for the Rams. But defensively, Let's flip sides of the ball. You know the Patriots are going to focus on scheming Aaron Donald out of the game to limit his impact. And the Eagles were able to do that pretty successfully with quick passes and double teams. Speaking of quick passes, Tom Brady does a lot of those. The Patriots will likely try to wham him in the running game. They'll try to get the ball out quick. Do you think Aaron Donald is the destroyer of worlds anyway, or are you concerned that Belichick is going to be able to neutralize him just by taking the game away from him and not letting him impact it with the way he schemes around him? I mean, it's both. He he is the destroyer of worlds, but he's also a defensive tackle, right? And so you can you can do things to limit their impact as long as the other guys around him aren't beating you. And that was... The case, you know, for a couple games at the end of the regular season, what's been great about the postseason run is that those guys around him have stepped up their game predominantly Ndamukong Sue. He was disappointing throughout the regular season. And I think Rams fans were concerned that, you know, they had invested in a guy for the Super Bowl run that wasn't providing the returns throughout the regular season that they had hoped when Aaron Donald's soaking up these double teams and you got Ndamukong Sue in passing situations one on one and he's not winning consistently. It's hard right. to buy into that well the last two games he's been in Dominican Zoo and yep. he's earned his money and it's been one of those things where don't really care what he did in the regular season because you, you get defined by your postseason run and he's been fantastic and so yeah Aaron Donald is that good he's going to command double teams even from the best offensive lines and this is one of the best because he's Aaron Donald. But if, if, if you can throw the double teams at him at the right time and, and, and back that up with, you know, enough blocking to make sure that he's only sporadically impactful, 
then then the bigger key is what that means for the other guys that get one-on-one matchups and how they deal with them. And that that's that I I know Aaron Donald's the headliner, but to me it's more interesting and it's going to be probably more uh, definitive in terms of how the game goes, in terms of how Indomitian Sue and the edge rushers, guys like Samson Abukam and Dante Fowler do, because they're going to have those one-on-one matchups. And if the Rams can get the Patriots into, you know, second and eight probably has more of an impact on the you know how we define the game in terms of the outside guys like Samson Abukam and Dante Fowler if they can win matchups even infrequently as long as they can get some wins in those situations when the Rams get the Patriots into second and eight third and six because you know Aaron Donald's going to get his and if the Patriots like many you know smart teams are committed to throwing extra resources to stop him those other guys are going to have their opportunities it just comes down to whether or not they can make the most out of them yeah we know that as eagles fans we know that fletcher cox is going to get the center slide and you look yep. at the saints game you you see the center going right to aaron donald he's not worried about like getting death and like looking around looking for work he's going straight to donald and then dominican sue who i was very down on during the regular season myself just from watching was able yep. to win those one-on-one matchups and that's yep. going to be huge for them because he's going to soak up all that attention now going to the run game the rams are kind of a run funnel team as in they'll let you get four or five yards on the ground and hope that you make a mistake in execution and force you to stall out are you concerned with the way that the patriots have transformed into this power run team that they're just going to be able to pound you pound you pound you and the amount of 10 12 14 play drives are going to add up and wear down this defense while also limiting the opportunities for the offense I was worried going into the playoffs and to the degree that you can let the playoffs change your perspective I guess I'm not as worried anymore because <laughs> the Rams have changed they've they've limited things you know divisional round against Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys offensive line he got 20 yards for 47 or 20 carries for 47 yards and one of those was 15 so he had 19 carries for 32 yards that's just fantastic then you know nfc championship ingram's got nine carries for 31 yards and kamara went eight for 15 they completely shut down the running game this this postseason so i don't know if it's just a lot of it's in dominican sue uh michael brockers has been better as well and he doesn't have nearly the impact in the passing game that he does in the run game because he's a gap stuffer he's been very good in the postseason as well the Rams have just been fantastic in run defense. So it's one of those things of what what do you buy into more? Do you buy into the week one to week 17 Rams or the week 18 and 19 Rams? Or I guess 19 and 20. I, I don't know. It's uh, exciting because they've been so good in the playoffs at stopping the run. And that was maybe the thing I was the most worried about going into the playoffs. So I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see this challenge because it's uh, – uh, a test equal to those, and they've passed those two with flying colors. So it's uh, I, I don't know that I'm worried anymore. I was certainly worried going into the playoffs. Maybe I'm concerned. What do you downgrade from worried, concerned? What do you do if you're a parent with teenagers? You're, mm, I'm very, very concerned. Not worried. I trust you, but. <laughs> like they're not grounded anymore, but you're still kind of checking them. Keeping, keeping my eye on you, run defense. <laughs> Come home before 1030. Um, no, it's uh, it's it's definitely going to be an exciting challenge because they've been so good the last two weeks. And something that we talk about a lot, especially on the Kiston Solak show, is is we talk about teams aren't what they were before necessarily right. in the first eight weeks in the season, maybe from week you know 10 to 10 to 16. They, they might be a different team performing. You still worry about that stuff that has happened in the past and teams may be able to exploit some of the things that worked against you. But, you know, teams change. 
Teams get better at things. Team put a bigger. It's not that the Rams couldn't stop the run. It's just that they they allowed you to run. They they weren't as concerned with it, and now they've kind of tightened that down, and they're getting better performance out of it. So, I mean, if you're Wade Phillips talking about him, if you had a game plan to take away one Patriots player that you think could really really hurt you. Who are you trying to take away? Who are you trying to do it with maybe the scheme or, or a specific player to match up with? Yeah, the easy answer is Grump, right? Where yeah. it, it, and the problem is he's one of those guys that you can try your best to take out of the game, but he can get st- he's still going to gronk it up. It's it, it, The problem for the Rams is they've had problems with tight ends uh, throughout right. the year. I remember last year when the Eagles came out of half and they were like, how do we stop Gronk? Because it's not working right now. And they put Corey Graham on him. And I just I wanted to like stab myself in the eyes with forks. So I but get it, man. It's tough. Does, right. He may, yeah. he may, he's that good where you, you try different things and none of them work and Stabbing yourself in the eyes is probably the best option a lot of times when he's on his game because he's Gronk. And so yeah. that's what that that's easily the I mean that's kind of the coward's way out for that answer, but it's true, is that's what I'm worried about because the Rams have struggled with tight ends at times. They don't have great linebacker talent, they don't have great linebacker pass defense uh, at the second level. They're much better in the secondary where you got to keep to leaving Marcus Peters and John Johnson, Lamarcus Joyner, all very, very good defenders. Nickel Roby Coleman has been playing really well, too, if you look outside of that, you know. The slot god, he's he's maybe, over the course of the entire season, he's maybe been the best out of the group, along with John Johnson. I agree. He's, he's been fantastic. So, uh, plenty of talent at the back end, but in front of them, not the best unit. And so, if you're looking at a tight end that can exploit that and kind of drag some guys to the outside, he'd, he'd probably be number one. Maybe you throw, you know, the, the Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman stuff. The problem is it's so annoying it's not it's not even like I'm worried about it's not even passing. It's like a weird little chuck and buck kind of game. It's not even like a dink and dunk because it's so different than dink and dunk. That passing game is so annoying, but it's so effective. And I, I, I guess maybe I, I wouldn't be as much worried about the players as I am about the, the, the threat of that that scheme and how easy it is to throw three guys crossing through the middle and how hard it is to defend. Are you worried about uh, James White at all? You talk about linebackers and coverage because, I mean, you got some quicker coverage guys that can kind of stay with guys. Uh, Gronk will still give them problems. But, for instance, you look back two years ago, James White in the Super Bowl, 16 targets, 14 catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. How have you guys done against running backs coming out of the backfield as receivers? And they'll also line up James White, you know, outside as a coverage indicator and do different things with him. Yeah, didn't do well against the Saints with Alvin Kamara, but he's a really effective receiving threat. I think yeah. the, the thing I'd say is the difference between a wide receiver and a running back over the middle is it takes a running back a little more time to get there. And because hmm. because of Aaron Donald coming up the middle, that, that makes it a little bit easier to defend against. The second would be that in order to go to that running back, you got to go over a couple players because since you're waiting for so much time to develop, you got guys in position. Now, that being said, Tom Brady is as accurate as anybody's ever been in the history of the NFL. So <laughs> Saying, oh, well, you got to throw it, thread it through this window. He's kind of good at that. He's kind of good at threading it through tight windows. So I don't know that that's necessarily something you feel comfortable about. But at least in terms of James White, the good thing is the Rams have enough guys over the course of enough football that can get home to prevent that from being a centerpiece of the offense. But again, you're talking about the Patriots and that offensive yeah. line and that they might be the anomaly where you say, you know, we were able to do it against the Cowboys and the Saints and maybe. Maybe not able to be as effective against the Patriots because they're just that good. 
So let's get into some predictions. First, we'll start with the over-under because I want to kind of get a feel for what you think this game might be. The over-under right now, as I'm seeing it from the booking site, that no free ads that, that I'm looking at, uh, the over-under is 58. Do you think it's over or under? I'm going to go over. I, th- I think this is a game that where the, the offenses and the two coaches are going to figure out the defenses pretty early. What, what, what I'd expect, and it's strange because if you look at the Patriots' Super Bowl history in the first quarters, they have, I think they've got three points yeah. all time in their Super Bowl first quarters. And not, not like three points in each, like three points total. Yeah, they slow play it. It's weird. Yeah, I, I kind of expect this to be a little bit different. I expect both offenses to come out and have things cranking and then have it going throughout the first half. I think the third quarter is going to be a slowdown. Yeah. I think once those coaches get to the locker room between, you know, the experience of Wade Phillips and Aubrey Pleasant against Bill Belichick and his entire defensive staff and what's his name? Who, who did he bring on that they're looking at from Nebraska? Brett Bielema. Yeah. When they get in the locker room and they're able to look at things because they got so much experience, I could see a defensive slowdown in the third. But I'm taking it over. I think it's going to be an offensive uh, game. So you think it's going to be a boat race? Do you think it's Rams or Patriots that are the winner? You would be, you would, it would be a real big shocker if you picked the Patriots here. Well, here's the here's the thing that I like, and we've talked about it a lot on our side. Is because of my age, we've got a lot of younger fans and new fans, obviously, because the Rams are good and people are coming on board and paying attention for the first time. And because we relocated back to Los Angeles, you got a lot of newer fans that don't necessarily remember or care about Super Bowl Thirty Six because it was eighteen years ago. But I will say this: I'm a petty man, Mike, <laughs> and I still care that after the two thousand one season. The Patriots cheated, and they beat us in the damn Super Bowl. I want my revenge. I want it. I want a Greg Zerline field goal at the end of time to end the Brady-Belichick era. I want them both to retire. I want it to come out that we've had drones following them all season. We know everything about everything they've done, and I want the end. I want the circle of life to complete itself. Time is a flat circle. I want to draw a direct line from Super Bowl Thirty Six. To Super Bowl Fifty Three, I want my comeuppance. Three <laughs> K, man, Joe, whatever I'm calling you right now. Remind the gentle listeners where they can find you and all of your work. It's such a pitiful note to go out on, right? We talked for thirty minutes, and I, I, I want revenge for something that happened eighteen years ago. Yes, I'm a mature individual. Uh, yeah, we're at Tertio Times, man. You can, the site's Tertio Times. The Twitter handle's Tertio Times. We're on Instagram. We got a big IG following. My guys on IG have been fantastic this year. So, uh, how's your TikTok in, account going? We're getting there. We're, I'm gonna have my daughter run it. We got nothing but memes. Oh man, our baby shark remix is fire. <laughs> 3K, man. Good luck in the Super Bowl, brother. I really mean it. Thanks, man.